Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Ah, I there there's something about the music. It always makes me rock out at the the beginning of the show and just pumps me up ready to go. So, folks, I'm with Ray, Kristen, and David. We're back again. Today's topic's an interesting one. Looking for labor in all the wrong places. Plus, the the missed Michael Castiglione uh, interview from a couple of weeks ago. So, folks, how are we doing today? Good. Fantastic. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. The weather here in Aurora is 40 degrees, sunny, and it's gorgeous outside. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ray. <laughs> Gorgeous is relative, right? Yeah. Perfect day for working outside. I see you're inside. <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, I mean, <laughs> show, you know. I mean, let's just call it how it is. You could be sitting outside on your porch like David. Yeah, that's true. But then yeah. I, I, I look like David, like the, <laughs> like the Terminator. <laughs> I said right now all this digital stuff on his face it looks like Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, well it's, it's part of the the shadowing that he gets killed by. So, you know, it is what it is. I and know. Well if anyone can set this up. Well, you're outside. You're in Florida. Deal with it. So the video doesn't look good. I mean and actually does anyone know where we actually are today? Last week we had a you know, we're on a glacier for Kristen's benefit. This week, who wants to guess where we are? Well, I know where we're at. <laughs> I know where I'm at. I mean, we're named after a candy bar over there, right? Yes, we're all on Mars. I love that. Just having some fun, folks. So who's going to start off on our topic today? All right, David, it's you and me, I think. And Ray, I hope you jump in because uh, we all have the same problem. And pretty much anybody in the state today, maybe even beyond the state, maybe our neighbors to the north in Canada have the same problem too. But as we come out of COVID and uh, minimum wage increases and um, people are getting extra money to stay unemployed, looking for labor becomes really tricky. Yeah. So. We were kind of joking around last week when we said we were looking for labor in all the wrong places, but quite frankly, it, it, it really seems like a lot of times we're looking in all the wrong places because you just can't seem to find a whole lot of help these days. Yep. I, I think everybody has that problem as well, so it's not just us. And yeah. Then, and then because everybody is buying online, then you got some of your uh, employers who are really, really large, like Amazon, you know, yeah. just about anybody, you have a breath, okay, you're hired. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Last night I went to one of my favorite Indian restaurants, and um, I said, boy, you know, when are you guys going to open? We're dying to come in and just have a nice sit-down meal. And he said, you know, the problem is I just, I can't get help. He said, it's me, my mom, and my dad, that's it. My girlfriend who would normally help is going back to college, and we just can't get anybody to serve. Yeah. And I thought, wow, yeah. you know, and and that was the case today when I went to Chipotle for lunch. I eat out a lot. Um, yeah. Same problem. They can't, you know, whether it's restaurants, whether it's cleaning, whether it's, you know, whatever. And quite frankly, I know that's not why they did it. But thank goodness, I guess, for Walmart and, and Jewel and some of the bigger box retail places, Home Depot, who put in self-checkouts, right? Because they can't get help. Well, they just force us to go through self-checkout like a herd of cattle. Yeah. Not, not my favorite thing to do, but at least there's a way to get out of the store. So, David, in the restaurant yeah. business, where where do you where would you go looking for help today? You know, you know that's the, that is a the million dollar question, truthfully. 
the easy answer is um, word of mouth from your current team. I mean, yep. if that, that's usually what we relied on all the time. I can safely say in 28 years, I never put a help wanted sign up anywhere in any of my locations for a couple of reasons. First one, it's, it's how it hit me as, as a guest or as a customer, as a guest, is I see a help wanted sign as I'm pulling into a restaurant. I'm almost <laughs> waiting to say, well, my meal is going to take a really long time because they don't have enough help back there. But that was one of the biggest things. But, but the other reason was real simple. It goes back to what I said before. Our goal was that we would become such a, a place that our current staff and employees enjoyed working at that they would go recruit for us. Right. And and that's where we put all of our energy and all of our focus. Did we bring from the outside? Of course we did. If usually, I mean, our, our success rate with referrals was much higher than bringing them in from the outside. And then we had a very stringent process when they did come in from the outside. But there's, you know, there's apps that are out there now. There, there's a di there, there's a lot of different sources to turn to as opposed to back in the day when you ran an ad in a classified newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot more available, but it's still it's, it's still a fight, and I, I still maintain you know a, ref a great referral base is your best bet. Yeah. So, well, and you know it depends on the type of help you're looking for too. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, so look at, we, we brought up a restaurant. So the restaurants, you have the people in the back cook taking care of the guests, right? And, and they all take care of the guests, don't get me wrong. But that's two different skill sets, two different mentalities, two different um, approaches to the employees. If the people out front, if they're working on tips and, and they're kind of the face of the place, um, you, one, you want the really the best out there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But they're kind of a little bit easier to kind of go recruit and, and go get their friends in because they like working with their friends. The, the people maybe in the kitchen, if they're not real high-skilled chefs, real high-skilled labor, it, it takes a special person. I mean, there's a lot of stress in the kitchen. There's a lot of the heat in the kitchen. You can't oh, man. <laughs> and, and again, you know, and, and, and they need to command a certain dollar wage to even get the conversation started. So yeah, it, 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 there's a little bit of both to each, um, you know, where you really have to massage it. But in, in any event, you're still looking for that good fit. Sure, sure. And Ray, your background, right? I mean, not so much today. We, we know we both have similar challenges, but in the past, and, and, you know, imagine working in the tech world today, right? Uh, well, in the, when I started the business 17 years ago, I used the mirror to hire employees. So uh, I, I think, well, you're shaking your head. I'm just saying, what? And basically, it's here, here's the mirror. Can you fog it? Yeah. <laughs> you're hired, you know. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a lot different. And a lot like Dave now, we have not mm -hmm. advertised uh, Although we just recently went on Facebook, but we have not advertised at all. It was all word of mouth. Right. Through our family of employees. And yeah. stress, stress family because that's what we are at, in our office, as I'm sure you are as well, Kristen. Absolutely. Yep. You know, but we do stress it and we celebrate, you know, all, all the things that are going along. Yeah. In our family, all, all the birthdays and, and uh, anniversaries and everything like that. It's become more difficult now mm -hmm. because we can't meet. Um, I'm, I think I'm one of the few offices that we had weekly meetings. And, mm -hmm. and you know, sometimes it, it was a covered dish meeting. You know, yep. everybody would bring something. So we really miss that. And it's hard now to get, uh, how should I say, transmit that feeling to everyone uh, without having those meetings. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think that um, some of that has also translated to fewer people being comfortable going out and applying for jobs, right? I mean, maybe that not really comfortable going face-to-face. -face. And, and as you said that, it made me think, oh, my gosh, we haven't even had anybody say, well, do you do Zoom interviews, right? Like, nobody's requested that. And I don't know that my hiring manager has ever thought about how to reply to that question. 
just oh, hasn't cool. come up. Now I'm thinking, dang, I got to get that process in place because now, unfortunately, if you ask that question and we said, yes, we can, the reality of the matter is we're an essential workplace, which yeah. means even if I hire you over the computer, you have to come in for all the training and you're, you're in people's homes. So right. Right. you're going to have to get over that very quickly. So, yeah. um, we we started doing initial interviewing over over Zoom initial interviews. It, it, it was very helpful. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, so I want to touch on. We talked about. I mean, this is all focusing on on hiring. But you know, when you're talking about looking looking for labor in all the wrong places, I think <laughs> that's what everybody always says is, "Oh, we gotta go hire, we gotta go hire." Well, really, the key to it is retention. So yeah. you can limit everything, and and it drops to your bottom line when you are really good at employee retention. And so. Years ago, when, when you felt this worker attitude and work, workplace shift, yeah. I, instead of, instead of I, I took the focus a little bit differently. Instead of focusing on, on just finding better employees and just finding uh, um, you know, the right people, that type of thing, I went and tried to get it from both ends. And I went ahead and developed our managers on their leadership skills and their ability to build great teams mm -hmm. within each of their own um, within each of their own restaurants within each of their own units so it's a little of both yeah we can go find people but if you can develop managers who develop lead leadership skills or develop great leadership skills in your managers they're going to have a better chance at, at re employee retention and and again proud to say that our retention numbers were among the best in our industry you know our, our, our turnover rate was lower than a lot of a lot of other places but we yeah. put a huge emphasis on the on the team and on on the leadership on to not be managers and just manage people as if they're just a number, but to lead them. You know, the, the old saying is is help them get what they want, and they'll give you anything you want, right? Right. So if, if we led them well, those are the managers, the best leaders had the few, had the lowest turnover and had the best retention rate. So that's an area that is, is I where is is very overlooked because a lot of times when I'm counseling other franchisees or other managers, this statement in, inevitably comes up um, where, where, they, where they're complaining about what their employees. And I laugh. I looked at them. I says, well, I says, what are you complaining about? They said, oh, they just don't get anything done. I said, you hired them. Mm -hmm. So, and then you kept them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it falls back on you so somewhere in the middle at some point when you hired them you thought they were going to be a good fit that's right you mm -hmm. kept them so you felt there was some value there so was it training was it leadership did you not develop them what happened yeah but they like to throw it on the employee when hey maybe they needed to look at themselves and say i needed to develop myself as a better leader to get the most out of that team member. well and i think that's interesting because you know and I know that for us, our first maybe three, four, even even five years, right? You're going through growing pains as a new business. You're going through a huge learning curve. By five years, you, you think you know it all pretty much. You don't because it's a forever learning curve. I mean, even today, I learn new stuff, right? You, you just never stop learning when you're a business owner. And as we went through staffing shifts, the one thing that I realized is that when I stopped doing the training myself, when I quit being hands-on and I delegated it to someone who I really thought was going to cross every T and dot every I, they didn't. And so when it came to the point where it's like, okay, so you've gone through these documents, you've gone through this process. I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to go out and watch you do this job because I need to understand what it is that you're failing at. Like, where is it you're just not getting it, right? Then I realized there were huge gaps in our training. And so then I had to say, okay, well, now, technically, I can't really fire this person because we never gave them the tools to be successful. And so it's... And once we started really kind of going back and drilling into where the issues were, that's when you get into the retention, because I think people look at, and we always talk about, oh my gosh, you know, the cost of hiring an employee. Okay, well, you shouldn't look at the cost of hiring an employee. The investment yeah. of hiring an employee is how you need to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Because if you make a bad investment, well, you made the bad investment. 
Yeah. But if you make a good investment, it, that means that you've spent time, you've researched it, you've ensured it's got, you know, all the things necessary to grow, right? And so I think that's really important for people when you go out there and usually if you have experience hiring, in the first two or three minutes, you can tell, like, is this person, like, do they walk in? Do they have the right attitude? Do they carry themselves properly? Do they look you in the eye, right? Like, there's a, a vibe that comes with somebody. Really quickly, you get a really good, like, feel for it, right? Yeah. And then, now, in Dave's case, when you read his application process, <laughs> they might leave with their tail between their legs, like, oh, my God, ne- I could never do this. Um, because his says all the expectations very clear. I mean, like I said to David, oh my gosh, if I was applying for a job with you, I would know that if I'm not 100% on board, don't even bother sticking around to talk to you yeah. because you don't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's really the goal. The goal is, uh, you know, you kind of want that, that to fire them at the interview process. So in yeah. other words, you don't want to make that bad hire. You want, you want to be mindful of your pocketbook, the cost that it takes for to, to hire and train and, and do everything with the employee. But we've had people on both sides of that, Kristen, we've had some people that have gone through it and literally put the paper down and says, this isn't for me. Yeah. Wow. Hugely helpful to us and to our yeah. bottom line. Yeah. And then we've had some people that were just as enthusiastic as to be saying, this is the type of place I want to work for, work yeah. for and work at. And These you know why? I want to work, be around. Okay. And they want to work for you because they're glad to know that you're going to hold their coworkers to the same standard. Right. And they're not having to deal with a bunch of drama and a bunch of BS that goes with a company that doesn't have standards and that doesn't hold people accountable. So I think that's why you saw people who were like, oh, yeah, I want in on this because they knew you were going to be a no-nonsense kind of guy. Yeah. And, 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 it wasn't, it's, and it's not so much being kind of the, the hard-ass type thing. It's just laying out the expectations and saying, yeah. hey, here's what we expect. And, and you do this stuff. We're going to get along fabulously. You're going to do really well. And we're all going to be really happy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's really what you want to create. I've got a story to tell. We got time to tell a short story. Yeah, should we, do we have to pay? Do we have to pay our bills first, Fred? I don't know if we have to pay bills. Grace got time. Grace got oh, time right. for a story, and then we'll we'll pay the bills. Okay, so, all right. I, I, I was walking into work one day, and the the lady who was the uh, HR manager for one of the other businesses in in my building, and she says. Uh, who's the hiring manager? And I said, well, you know, pretty much I am. And she says, wow, I'm really impressed. I said, why are you impressed? She says, when I walk in the building, I meet a lot of your employees. And nearly every one of them says good morning and hi and gives me a smile and waves. I said, well, you know, come on in. You know, and I welcomed her into our office. And now this is a professional who has a degree in hiring people, you know, and she was impressed with our little operation of, of, of about, you know, 20, I don't know how many employees we got now, <laughs> whatever, employees, and it was simple. I, when I see my employees, every single one of them, I say, hi, good morning, how are you, and I wave to them. Now, Weigh, weigh that against the cost of a bad employee. How easy is that to say hi and good morning to every one of your employees and have every one of your employees say hi to every one of the other employees as opposed to going through the rounds with someone about, you know, bad performance or, 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 or whatever. It, yeah. it, it's so much easier and cheaper to do it that way and just be nice to people. That little wave I was just giving was my girl, my last team coming in tonight, waving and saying hello to me. <laughs> so just before you told that story, I was waving to my girls coming in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just model the behavior that you want them to do. Just model. It, it, really, there. really. Let's go pay the bills, and then I want to talk some more about how important 
the retention is. And there are a few places that I think people do overlook when they're a new business and they need to form partnerships in the hiring process. And then we'll get on with our Castiglione interview with Sandler Training out in LA. Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. So a couple of things we just want to clear up uh, before we get on with our show with Sandler Training with Michael Castaglione. Um, there are a couple of things we were talking about here before we went to break. Um, for new businesses, I think one of the things that we overlook quite a bit is uh, as you go into your communities, great partners to have um, is the Chamber of Commerce. A lot of times those people have connections within the community that can help you get started. Um, another one that we uh, came up with that we used was the actual unemployment office, believe it or not. Um, have you used them, Ray? Did you have any luck with that? Uh, I think I did right in the very beginning. I put up some ads in their office, but uh, we never got any results from them. Okay. Well, we, we did, and we actually... Um, and I don't know, I think you are using this, but there are some really great digital platforms out there right now. We're using one, I'll give them a little plug, huh, since their name is Career Plug. And um, they, uh, they hit like five or six different digital platforms. And really you can advertise anything on there from executive positions down to um, real basic, like we have the house cleaners on there. And obviously everybody knows about LinkedIn right? LinkedIn is another great place to look. So there are places out there. Don't allow yourself to get, you know, down and out because you can't find any help. I know here we also offer incentives for our girls, uh, referral incentives, and they love it. So um, have you had any other things that either one of you guys want to add in terms of how to find great help? You know, it's, again, we, we touched on a lot of it before, but if you're just talking about platforms, you see a lot of them advertised, um, you know, Indeed, um, you know, is very, very um, popular. Um, we used to get a lot of applications on them. But again, I think it, for us, wasn't the greatest uh, source of leads for mm -hmm. our positions. So, sure. I, you know, there, there's, there's, I think you have to just, as with advertising, you have to try several of them out and see which ones kind of hit your target. Then the other thing is, is, you know, again, you're competing with other people for help. So you can't just throw out an ad that's gonna say the same thing that everybody else has. You have to find an ad that grabs attention and tells them, I wanna work at this place, I gotta find out more. So get creative on the, on the writing of the ads also. Don't just, don't just yeah. throw it out there and, because somebody else says, hey, working for X number of dollars an hour, flexible hours, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, you're just like everybody else. Right. Think of another way to say the same thing, because the goal is you want to get them to the interview to see if it's a perfect fit. So you can't build your team if no one's answering your ads. And a yeah, lot of times absolutely. we just put generic ads out there instead of really, pre it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an advertising mindset. It's the creative mindset. You need to say, how do I grab them by the throat and get them to apply to my place? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, another thing when you talk about retention, it, it, to just shift gears a little bit, um, everybody has a different way that they like to schedule themselves as business owners. You know, I have multiple demands on my time in the morning, so I don't get here very much in the morning to see my girls. I prefer the afternoon because they come in, they're ragged, they're tired, and 
a lot of times they want to vent. So I'm like, so how was the day? And I can hear all about how you know, Mrs. Jones was crabbiest person today and so-and-so was, you know, whatever was going on, right? And let them get it all off their shoulders so that when they go home, they vent it and they can be 100% for their families, right? They get it all off their chest. And they leave work at work, right? That's the idea. Um, so I think that's, make sure that you at least see them a few times a week so they can connect to you, right? They want to know that you care. They want to know that you understand what it is that they're going through. I think that's really, really important. Um, and, not, and nothing's changed for over 70 years in surveys done of all businesses. The number one thing employees want is appreciation. Yep. Not money, not anything. And, and they've done these surveys for 70 years. It's never yep. changed. Absolutely. I got a quick comment before we go to a commercial. I was asking an employee one day, what's the best time of your day? And uh, she thought for a moment, she says, when I come to work in the morning, I said, what? <laughs> she says, oh, yeah, I, I get to meet with all my friends and socialize. And, and then we go to work. And I, when I'm done, when I'm off work, then I go home and I got to cook. I got to get the kids' laundry yeah. done. I, well, you know all the things that need to be done. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got this homework for the kids. She begins her job when she gets off work. Great point. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, last night I was writing these notes out, and, you know, I thought to myself, does it seem like a lot? Like, it does, right? To me, it seems like a lot. What I wrote, but for the client-facing employees especially, right, make the investment in them because as they feel appreciated, all of that is going to shine through to, the and to, to your clients, right? If they feel appreciated, that just, comes across to everyone they face you know you can see it in them whether they're in a house whether you go into a restaurant so really for all of you out there that are frustrated once you get your people you have to keep them and with that we'll go for a final well, well let me let me get oh, let me just but in one time one sentence one driving force that we use is real simple. absolutely take care of your people and your people will take care of your business Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Fred, take us to commercial and then we'll go on and talk with Sandler Training. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the Pillars of Franchising. Today I'm here with our guest, Michael Castiglione. Did I get that right? Nailed it. Good job. Awesome. Of Sadler Training Centers in Los Angeles. Where it is a heck of a lot warmer there today, I presume, than here. Oh, yeah. We're uh, about a 65, 70 degrees. It's sunny. It's beautiful. Sorry. Yeah, I was just telling Michael, I just came in after scraping 14 cars in the parking lot and um, six inches of what some might consider to be fresh powder for skiing. I consider it to be six inches of fresh, pure torture. Um, <laughs> so on that happy note. Everyone knows how much I just love living in the north. We're going to talk to Michael today about his training center, Sadler Training, which you've been doing for three years now. Is that right, Michael? Just about, yeah. Awesome. Tell us what kind of training you guys specialize in there and um, out in LA. So we do sales development. So we focus on three things. First and foremost, the behaviors, what to do every day, week, month, to make sure that you're uh, getting to success. Number two, the attitude. Right? Do you have the mindset when you walk into a sales call? Do you have equal business stature? Do you believe in what you do? Are you okay getting no's? And then number three, the technique. 
is it's 2021, Kristen. No one wants to be sold. You know, that used car sales professional of the 80s is gone. And mm-hmm. teach people to be much more of a consultative sales seller. So it's how do you ask better questions? How do you take control and make sure that you're either providing a solution to a problem they have or shaking hands and parting friends? So it's not this hard sell type of mentality anymore. It's much more of a consultative sales. I love that idea because I hate feeling, um, for me in particular, it's buying cars, right? It's, there's nothing more frustrating for me as a female than trying to buy a car. <laughs> and the hard sales tactics just don't ever seem to work. But aside from that, tell me what kind of, um, what are some of the sales techniques or skills that you teach people who are maybe new to the whole sales gig? Well, for starters, it's a full system of whether you've been selling for five hours or, you know, 55 years. There's something for everyone. And it's all about putting everything in the right order, where we take those three things, the behaviors, the attitudes, and the techniques, and infuse them throughout the entire process. So you talk about the used car sales professional, it's that idea of like commission breath, right? They're very aggressive. They're very, they're wanting to make that sale. They're not wanting to help. And those are two completely different ideals is people who are new in the business, they're so passionate about what they do, right? They love what they do. They don't realize they are that person because they show up, they start throwing up, and they tell them all about their features and benefits and how good they are. And before you know it, they don't see it. But from the outside uh-huh. perspective, they are that sales professional. They're, they're coming off aggressive and pushing, and, but they don't know it because they're so passionate about what they do. So it's taking a step back, removing the emotion of it as the sales professional we mm-hmm. know that we need to get to their emotion because people buy emotionally and then justify intellectually so first and foremost you got to listen you got to see is there an underlying need is there something going on and then just like a really good doctor is you probe at that you go to three levels deep in understanding what their real problem is for example because some people come to me and they like, i want more sales well sure who doesn't <laughs> about that. What does that really mean? Uh-huh. You know, the untrained professional will go, well, sure. Let me, let me get you in the training. Let's do this. Let's do blah, blah, blah. Right. This is, oh, what does that mean to you? What is that? The, and what I may undercover find out is they don't need sales training. They need marketing. They need more awareness. They're so siloed. They're so hidden if they just, and that's not me. So right. really doing a better job of understanding who they are. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's a product or service. It's really being more of a consultative it's because you want to help, right? People get into business, they, they, they buy a franchise, they have franchisees for many different reasons, but it's predominantly to help people and then to grow business. Right. And I think that's actually really an interesting idea because um, one of the things that we uh, talked about in a previous episode was the difference between having a customer and having a client. And, and how right. do you define the difference? Right, right. And, and so for me, you have a transaction or you have a relationship. And which one's which? Computer, the customer client, or the, the right. client? Right. The client is the relationship. And a customer is a transaction. I go to Home Depot and I buy a bag of bolts, right? That's a transaction. Perhaps, though, if I go to Home Depot and I'm looking to do a home remodel, then I'm looking to get into a relationship, right? Absolutely. And so, so I think that's very interesting about um, – the business that you're in, who do you tend to find is um, probably your most ideal candidate in terms of your top clients? Who do you find uses your franchise most frequently? So less about industry and positionality and more about mindset. Okay. So we are industry agnostic, but it's like you just described, customers versus clients. Are you transactional or are you more relational? For a product or service that sells itself, and those who say that, it should. And you shouldn't pay a sales team to, to go out there and sell it. It should be a, an e-commerce, and you should brand it and, and do a good job marketing and let it sell itself. Mm-hmm. It's the organizations and the people who've done, they've done pretty well, and they maybe hit a plateau. Mm-hmm. Or they, they're just kind of sick and tired of that ebbs and flows where they know that they're going to have busy seasons and lulls, and it's just, what happens is they don't really realize that they're not prospecting throughout. So they ride that curve versus intentionally strategizing 
So it becomes growth over time, not a plateau. So those who are looking for that strategy from a mindset perspective of, I haven't arrived, I can get better. And I've so, worked with, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I finished. I'm sorry to jump I've on you there. I've worked with people who, like I said, have been in sales or, you know, they've had their own business for five minutes, five hours, have to have a conversation right at the beginning to way late in their career, you know, 20, 30 year business veterans who are like, you know what, I haven't arrived. I can always do better open to a conversation, realizing that there is good synergy from a mindset perspective and realize, all right, my team can do better. We've done some really good things, but the order we do it and the strategy we do it and the system we do it is just kind of like all for all and right. not really cohesive. So it's more about mindset than positionality. So tell me about you. How did you land at Sadler? Like what drew you to this? I mean, there are a million just die exactly, huh, somewhere exactly, um, below 3,000 franchises out there right now. How did you come to find Sadler? So mine was a journey. So first and foremost, I, I was a professor and director of a program at Loyola Marymount University. Loved what I did, was doing a career choice, had a franchise broker, doing it more as, as an investment. Didn't even know that this was an opportunity. So for those who are out there listening, trying to get into it, is a broker is a great way to start. Have mm -hmm. a conversation with someone. And had I never talked to Pete, I wouldn't be sitting in this seat in this position. Right. I was passively looking at one opportunity. Um, and then he goes, over time, he realized I was looking much more for a career in this than a passive income as an investment. And he goes, Mike, the one you're looking at is great pursue it, continue to do that. However, I don't get commission on that one. <laughs> so check out these four. And I'd never heard of Sandler before he said that. He goes, you're going to love one because he knew exactly who I was, where I come from. Mm -hmm. He's like, one of them I know is not going to resonate with you, but I know I want to give you the band, everything. Right. And then two, you might be interested. So I went out, did my research, and the one he said that I would love was Sandler because we believe in that reinforcement, that idea of over time. And he was very familiar with the franchise and you know, with Ron, who was with us before. Um, and you know, the rest is history. I went out there and did my, my research. You know, another thing I did is I picked up the phone and called. Mm -hmm. Other franchise owners, they know what it's like to get started. So their empathy for those who are hungry, they will give you 10, 15, 20 minutes. So I made it a goal to try and connect with 50 from the different franchises. Didn't make the, my goal. I'm sorry, out of, the goal. Sandler, out of the Sandler group, you connected with that No, out of all. So I wanted okay. to talk to 50 different franchise owners before I made my commitment. I see. So okay. My goal was about 10 per and then some, you know, so maybe okay. outside the industry, those who did it as a, didn't do a franchise opportunity, pros and cons. And for me, it was kind of a perfect time to do all this because I had taken a year off. I had left my job, took a year to travel, and then I was going to start my next chapter. So this all kind of happened at a perfect time. I had time to research. But those who were listening being like, Mike, I'll actually find time. If you structure and you plan, you'll, you'll be able to put it in. You know, if you make 15 minutes a day a habit that you call one other owner, you know, by the end of three, four months, you'll have talked to 50 plus people. I promise that. So, so let me ask you, was there a, I mean, typically we find there is, so, so you had a broker very similar to what we're doing with um, our mentee program, the million dollar mentor mentee program, helping people, you know, you go to three different verticals and within those verticals, you look at three different brands and, you know, make sure they have all the tools available. But for you in particular, if you, let's say, looked at three different um, training programs or maybe even specifically sales training franchises. Was there one or two things about Sandler, and excuse me for mispronouncing it before, uh, about Sandler that really grabbed you? I mean, what was it? Because some people it's training, some people it's leadership that they, they met the leadership pro, uh, staff and that's what it was. You know, what was it for you that really? So I had four factors that was weighing in on. The mm -hmm. first and foremost, community, right? And okay. getting into the consulting world, that's a very lonely world. And <laughs> the community that it provides, first and foremost, was one of the things I was looking at. 
Number two, the resources. I had, like I said, I was a program director at LMU, so I know the thousands of hours necessary from a team to yeah. create resources. So what resources did it provide? Number three was earning potential. What does it mm -hmm. look like? And you know, what does the projection look like over time versus things like that? And then number four was like this um, miscellaneous, like nice to have things to, and I had like a little matrix, <laughs> you know, so each, each uh, franchise I was looking at. And when I met with Sandler, went out for the, you know, the intro there in Baltimore. So they swoop, you know, you do your, your walk, you walk in. Mm -hmm. It was just me. So I got all the attention. It was kind of like, well, Am I the only one? Where another one I've been like one of ten, or you know. Yeah. Why am I the only one? Yeah. And then when I looked underneath the, the the hood of the car per se, is it was a match made in heaven. The beliefs and ideals of what they offered, the curriculum was top notch. The resources were top notch. Not to say the other prep programs didn't have good stuff because sure. they did. But like I said, I was coming from a program and mentality, and it matched what I had created. Mm -hmm. almost to a T, it's just different language. So I was in academia and they are business. So just swap out the, the language and I just had to learn the new language is it was, you know, turn the keys and your car is ready to go. So for me, it was a perfect fit. For sure. others, the couple of cons was they're focused on sales. Right. So people talk about Sandler, they talk about sales and sales leadership. So mm -hmm. that wasn't my language. So that was a barrier to entry for me. You know, but with any franchise owner who's listening right now or any franchisee, you know that it's going to be hard that first year and you'll yeah. learn it. you, you got to just make sure that it's the right fit for where you're looking for. And as you, you know, Kristen, like you mentioned in the program that you offer the mentorship is make sure you do your research. Just make yeah. sure that it is the direction you want to go, that you're going to have to spend time. You know, this isn't, you know, it's not a fairy tale. So anyone who tells you that it's easy, they're lying. That's you know, right. Is it possible? Absolutely but it's going to take some grit and some hard work. Yeah. Don't you find, um, and obviously you chose a franchise, so it's kind of an unfair question, but. Um, no, go ahead. I always, I always think, find, believe, <laughs> air quotes, right? That a franchise is just following the program, you know, where if you were to go out and do it on your own, like you said, you know, you came out of academia, it's, you could probably put it together yourself, right? Because you're a smart guy, you're well-disciplined guy, but to walk into a program that's already defined for you saves a lot of time, a lot of risk, and you get up to speed and start making money a lot more quickly than if you were to try to do it all on your own. Well, again, it comes with the support. Most, you know, when I talk about that community and that culture, there was very few franchise owners who, you know, when I called, I didn't hear from them. So mm -hmm. again, similar things happen in other organizations, but one of the main, that's why it was one of my top four in the tenants is what's the culture and support? Because right. if you're going to pay for a franchise, you know, and obviously the prices range, but you're committing to that culture, you're committing to a proven system, right? It's right. like the McDonald's, like you're, you're, you can go start a burger store, but you're starting with a brand, you're starting with a proven system and mentorship to take you from where you are today to an excellent business owner. Sure. And although many people who are listening are probably like, yeah, I'm business savvy, so was I. But what mm -hmm. I learned in that first year was exponential between the previous 15 years of my life. And I grew a million dollar business or nonprofit on right. LMU's campus. I got an MBA. I did a ton of stuff. And that one year of having the mentorship internal on my own, I learned more than that 15 years combined. Yeah, so that's, that's why, awesome. you know, pro or con with the idea behind the franchise is it's the support that comes with it. It's not right. the marketing and the, and the brand that comes with the, the known entity that you're buying. It's why mm -hmm. it's known, you know, right. it's the proven system behind it. And you bring up a good point because when we bought our franchise, um, my husband had finished his MBA. And so the deal was I was going to be like the marketing. I'm the like person, right? I'm the social one and he's, he's going to be the financial guy. Right. Well, that lasted like maybe 60 days. And then <laughs> like, you need to get out of my way. <laughs> and he went on to do his real job as we refer to it. And uh, I continued to run the business, but it, 
it is very different, I think, when you you get concepts and you have this fundamental understanding, but all of a sudden then when it's your money and it's your business and you're no longer working with models, you're working with the real thing, there is no better lesson in life than to be right there and and know that if you make a mistake, it, it's all on you, right? When when the bank's empty, it's empty. Absolutely. And good, I'll even validate your point a little bit is I want, I'm in a consulting world. I sell air. So when you think about all the franchises out there, we'll be like, well, Mike, why the heck would you buy a franchise where all you're doing is selling air? And it goes back to the proven system. And, you know, it's the idea of people have done it. It works. There's a lot of opportunity out there. You know, if, if you're trying to franchise your own brand, obviously there's opportunities there. But if you're looking to buy your buy a franchise and become a franchisee, it's this idea of they want you to succeed. Right. And for transparency, Sandler doesn't go out there and, and sell for me. You know, we are all independently owned. We all function. But they want you to succeed. You know, it's a give and take model in the franchise world where it's not just, hey, you know, pay us a residual or come on in. It's we have a brand to protect and we sure. want to make sure we have quality people. And so there is a little bit of that dance in the beginning and then the support that follows up. You know, every Tuesday I have a coaching call with a coach through my franchise. And it's the idea that I can be as actively as I want in the network that they've provided or passive. You know, I just want to take it and, and go and do it on my own. But that's that's not why I opted into the system. Yeah, I think those are really good points. And, and you know, a couple of things that um, I think people need to think about that is that, you know, right now, as the world has definitely changed uh, with the pandemic and things, you know, I'm sure the way that you guys have done business has had to change as well, right? I mean, you're probably not sitting in, auditoriums or in the middle of an assembly doing these classes anymore. So it's funny. I mean, we were the number one in-person sales training organization in the world. So think about that for a second. We bring strangers together to collaborate. <laughs> and a year ago, we couldn't do that anymore. So we had to adapt just as every other business professional did. And, you know, mine are now run through Zoom. And you run a bad meeting in person. People aren't coming back. Right, right. People aren't going to come back. So mm -hmm. it's that idea. It comes back to leadership and facilitation. Like right. that's what we do well. And we use the breakout rooms. We do small group discussion. You, you don't have lazy questions. So you have the content with questions that incite discussion. And you put mm -hmm. the professionals in the rooms, let them dialogue, come back. It's the same thing that we would do if we were in, the per in person. It's a little more challenging because, yes, you know, like, I'm in this box. It's hard for me to take. I'm a big note guy, even though I have terrible handwriting. I love the connecting ideas on a grease board or a whiteboard. And uh -huh. that's a little bit of a challenge now, but there's technology to help mitigate it. And I won't go back to in-person until 2022. And I may not ever, you know, I will do in-person eventually, but my current sure. program won't go back online because I have people outside of LA County. So since that's they're outside of LA County, we meet every single week. It's, you know, they're not flying to LA for this. So, yeah. And in May, so it was two months virtual, and LA and the world was kind of saying we might open up in the summer. I did an informal poll to my, my uh, clients, and I asked, who would want to go back in person? Who wouldn't? Just, just testing 100% online in the future. So this was wow. two months into it. They were 100%. They don't have to drive 45 minutes an hour. They don't have to find parking. They don't have to take a break from their day to come and do this. Right. Because it's every every week for an hour and a half. You put all those things together, you lose a half day. Now yeah. you log in. It's very engaging. It's interactive. It's They take with it. And then they go back to their world, and yeah. then they can put it into play. So it's yeah, definitely – We've heard all these, um, you know, you hear a lot of the the downtrodden and the, the, the bad stuff about what the pandemic has done to business. And I think this is a really great example of how 
the word that I always make fun of is pivot because it, I feel like it's one of those overplayed, overused words, right, of the year. But in this case, because you were able to do that and open, it opened up all these other markets that, like you said, outside of LA, you probably wouldn't have had those clients. Kristen, I lost 80% of my business by the beginning of April. There was a day where I lost a client every day for six or eight days in a row. Since then to the end of 2020, I 4X my business from January. That's even amazing. Though I, even though I had a huge downturn in the spring, the yeah. year finished 400% increased from the, the way it started because I didn't stop. And yeah. yes, pivot is being used a lot, if you're listening, it's the idea of moving forward intentionally. Right. That's what I keep talking about. It's not about just getting by or it's how are you going to change your pivot or whatever word you want to use intentionally into the future. So yep. what that I mean is if you're surviving right now, so you take your restaurant owners, you know, some of their hospitality, they're surviving. You know, it's right. hard times right now, but they're figuring out other ways to bring in revenue whether sure. it's utilizing partnerships like a DoorDash or, you know, doing other services of contactless, you know, pick up and don't stop doing that into the future. You've right. now created two, three more verticals that you can now thrive into the future. Yeah. So when it goes back, because we will go back. And those, sure. you know, entrepreneurs who are listening and those owners who are listening are like, you know, when? <laughs> soon. Yeah. You know, yeah. soon. You know, we will be going back. But remember, there's a huge chunk of, humans that will not be comfortable with because we've just been reinforced for one calendar year contacts bad so if you yeah. think there's going to be a, a, a switch that flips and 100 percent of your old clients come back that's not happening well so i am not i'm not giving up instant cart right like i don't want to go walk through the aisles right and it's mainly just because i can't stand waiting in line and so for me i'm like that's the best thing I discovered with COVID is being able to have my groceries on my doorstep. <laughs> and how can you create more Instacart experiences? Because that's what it's yeah. about, right? It's about yeah. client experience and are they happy? And they, is there stickiness? Do they want to come back? So exactly. The biggest innovations in business happen during times of downturn and recession. This was, mm -hmm. both, you know, this was both a recession and a pandemic. So the, just the innovation that's coming out of these last 12 months is awesome. Yeah. And don't get caught behind. You know, that's important. You got to keep moving forward. How, um, I don't expect you to know exactly, but roughly, how many Sandler training centers are there in the U.S.? There's 250. So there's 250 worldwide. Okay. So, so we're a global um, franchise. So there's okay. about 250, give or take. Can you give us kind of a ballpark of what the investment looks like for listeners out there who might be thinking, hey, this is kind of sounds like my gig? Yeah, I mean, you can go right on Sandler, Sandler.com and everything's mm -hmm. right out there in black and white. There's no questions about it. It's 75 to get started, 75 uh -huh. um, and then there's a, a payment module throughout, but it's going to be, if I just full, full transparency, you're probably mm -hmm. looking about 100000 to get started. Okay. And then a little bit of leeway. Anyone who's getting into a consulting organization, I, I say six to 24 months, probably at 12 to 18 months is a good timeline mm -hmm. um, that you want to give yourself that you have enough money to keep the lights on. Uh, you may have to go to a ramen diet or, you know, cut back on your coffees and stuff, but give yourself about 18 months before you're making serious income and supporting you or your family. Yep. Um, but that, that's what I would say. And obviously in this virtual world, there's less overhead costs. You don't have your resource center. You know, the center was a big expensive, you know, lump sum every single month. That's not right. longer here. So um, you're, yeah, that's about out of pocket is what you're going to be looking to get started into. Okay. Now here's a good question for you. Go for it. If you, had, if you went back to day one, what would you do differently? Love the question. And I would do more faster. Like really? I said, that first year, I learned so much. I made a lot of mistakes. I would want to have failed faster. You know, okay. we all, like, again, for me, it's a lot of outbound sales. No one knows who I am. You know, they know Sandler, but again, it's not marketing. I go prospect. So it, it was hard for me to get in front of the right, get more at bats. It took some time. 
So well, I know this guy named Fred, and uh, <laughs> he's West Vine. He loves to get names and companies out there, so he might be of assistance. <laughs> sure, and it was beyond a mark because you know Sandler does a great job marketing, and you know right. I, I believe in everything that Fred does, and getting in front of more people from a proactive because at the same time, who is Mike? So yes, the education and the drip is there. And I would have made more calls. I would have made more dials, walked into more places when I could have walked into more. And again, not that I wasn't doing it. I just mm -hmm. would have done more. Um, there's a lot of things I did that I look back. And if you're you know, just about to get started, you need to do these things. For example, have a mentor and have a coach. Those are two different things. A mentor is someone you can look for in advice. Probably not a paid opportunity, but they've been in your shoes before. Mm -hmm. And a coach is someone you pay out of your pocket to help develop you because that puts skin in the game. And then number three, I mean, I can go on and on and on, but <laughs> so many different things that I would advise from day one, don't wait until your first year until you have a better cash flow. Get started immediately because the return is exponential. That's awesome. So if you are speaking to somebody out there today, can you describe who that ideal candidate is that you would say, hey, you're the person who needs to buy this franchise. This franchise is for you. Who is that person? So first of all, you're crazy. <laughs> uh, yes. But, but, but for serious, it's someone who's kind of sick of the rat race. They, they, they're tired of working for someone else. They want their own schedule. The key is you still have drive someone who's still hungry to work. This is not something where it's passive income and it's more of an investment than it is an opportunity. This is expect hard work to get it up and running. And if you're someone who likes training and problem solving, you like a grown business, you like selling, you know, selling is fun for you. You don't see it like that, you know, trying to sell ice to an Eskimo mentality. You like it as a problem solving. It's a great franchise opportunity. And like I said, it's been around for over 50 years. And it's historically, those who are franchise owners, they, they don't just come and go. There's not a big turn. So they stay, they grow careers. A couple franchise um, franchise owners, their children are now taking over. So there oh, is awesome. that pass down. Um, but if you're someone who likes that mentality, it's a great opportunity. That's great. And Michael, so um, I know that people listening to the show always want to know how do they get a hold of one of our guests um, after the show? If they want to reach out to you and say, hey, tell me more. We'll obviously have all your information posted on our homepage, but can you tell them where to find you? Absolutely. So I think the best way is LinkedIn. And a little plug on LinkedIn is the world's largest business networking group. So use it to connect. Don't use it to sell. Use it to connect. If you want to connect with me, it's Michael Castiglione. You'll see my cheesy smile and bald head and out in Los Angeles. And, you know, I two things. I'd be more than happy to have a conversation around franchising if you're interested in Sandler or anything of that nature. Also, if you're interested in selling, I do an open training. So from COVID, some of my lessons learned is I do a free training every single month. I was doing a lot of pro bono stuff back in March and April, and I've continued it once a month into the future. If you're interested in checking that session out, just find me on LinkedIn and say, hey, Mike, heard you talking. I'd love to see that training, and I'll shoot you the link. And every single month I do it. So it might be a couple of weeks away or it might, like for example, once tonight. So at 4 o'clock tonight. But obviously this is in the future. You don't hear this. So right. That's well, I'll see that, that is a great way to start promoting yourself and start planting that seed like we just talked about for you you know who is who is Mike right so it's great to get your name out there and start kind of planting the seed as I said so I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and thank I can't you. wait to have Pleasure. you back Absolutely. yeah I think you know we might have to talk to you it sounds like you uh, really like the mentor and, and uh, coach situation so we might have to talk to you later on see how things are going and how much extra time you have on your hands you got it. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Kristen. Fred, have a great day. You too, Michael. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Well, folks, 
that's the show for today. Thanks for watching. Uh, thanks to Michael Casiglione of um, Sandler, my co-host Kristen, Ray, and David for another interesting show. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of Pillars, 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 Pillars,